This is uh, the third installment of our Elevate Your Elul series. We've had uh, two previous speakers in the, the Rev tonight. Just to make mention before this year, we have uh, another shiur on October 2nd. Asari Mitashuva, Rabbi Farmila Shapiro will be joining us at 8 p.m. as well. Um, and so we look forward to that. But of course, focusing on tonight, uh, this uh, whole series, as I mentioned the previous year, first of all, to, to thank Ravi, it's in, always in connection with Chazak. Uh, we partner with Chazak, and uh, Chazak, uh, I don't have all the exact statistics, but Chazak we do is, uh, really uh, helps uh, the larger community, I know in Queens for sure, and the broader community throughout the world, brings uh, people from public school, and I think they've helped, what, uh, how many thousands? A couple thousand, 12,000? 1,200. Bezat Hashem, 12,000. We shouldn't need to have 12,000. So, um, so, so there's always a conjunction with Chazak and everyone should look into and uh, especially if it's the end of the year before Rosh Hashanah should uh, be able to contribute to help their, their worthy cause. And uh, like I was saying, this, is, uh, this series is it just, it's just one series throughout the year. We're going to have many more different types of series and it's a, uh, in uh, connection with our, our new Night Sitter program and our learning program throughout the day. Uh, created, started the initial with my grandfather. And we, Bezat um, Hashem, starting after Sukkot, we're going to be setting up more people with Chabutot, and we have Chaburot, and I'm looking specifically on the men's side, a lot of people I'd like to see. And uh, we have sponsored food every night, and we have a really a, a enjoyable situation here. The people are here way past our beach. We have, so I'm sorry to the wife. Bezat Hashem, people, people stay very late, and it's a very enjoyable experience, and uh, it's a, a place of growth here, and we, we really want to light everyone on fire here. So if, everyone, if anyone's interested to come to me, and I, I could set you up without Hashem. So without further ado, let me just, uh, uh, this wouldn't be without the generous sponsorships, of course. So in no particular order, but uh, uh, the whole series is sponsored by uh, Aaron Hassan family, Leonishmat his father, Shogun Latifa, by Avi Afriyad and family, Leonishmat Eva Shomit by Dalana Esther, by Isaac Yakubov and his family, Atzlacha for his family, for Jack and Marina Herman, Atzlacha of their family, the Itchakov family, Lili Nishmat, Sarah Batfrecha, the Zanenshine family, in honor of Gabriela, Rachel, Ruben Arye, and Laila Vered, and uh, the Nisanov and Hamadni families. You gotta bear with me for this one. Beskut Rufua Shalema, Ovadia ben Ariel, Bechor ben Rachel, Yosef Chaim ben Shoshana, Miran ben Shoshana, Roy ben Rachela, 
Benjamin Menachem, Benjamin Aljana, Benjamin Netano Ben Brachatova, Yitzhak Ben Leia, Igor Ben Sarah, and Miriam Bat Chadra, and Lilo Nishmat, Michal Ben Barachel, and Menachem Ben Moshe. As you can see, any sponsorship, even no matter how big, you can put in as many names as you want. So you know for the future. We don't, we don't judge. There's a son of family, Fratzlacha for their family, uh, Rani Benjamini, uh, Lilo Nishmat, uh, I, I don't have the name, but I, I was told his cousin, I believe, passed away today, so Lilo Nishmat, his cousin as well as his, um, his aunt, Devorah Bat Rachel, and his, uh, his, father, his father-in-law, Rafael Yaakov, Yisrael Hanatan, Ben Chaim, Yisrael HaKohen, uh, Chachkov family, for Atzlachah for their family, uh, Roman Shimano family, Atzlachah for their family, uh, Ben Ozeri and his family, Lenishbat Chaim Shmuel, Meir Ben Abba Halevi, his father-in-law, um, Malka Aryeh, as a Hodat Hashem, for, for some beautiful things that happened here this year, Yirmiyahu Aryeh, Lili Nishmat Chacham Rabbi Chia ben Chacham Rafael, and Lili Nishmat Gabriel ben Rechia, as well as the Maccabi family, as for Atzlacha, for the family, for all Kehila. Okay, so that was a long list. Without further ado, on to Shizna. Hazako Baruch. Might have been easier to announce who didn't sponsor the class. <laughs> First and foremost, it's good to be here in the new synagogue. It seems brand new. It's beautiful. And uh, it's a house, as I understand, that doesn't only grow Torah, but it also grows Limuda Torah. So it's exactly what these synagogues are supposed to be doing. You have Baruch Hashem. Uh, a beautiful vessel, and I pray that it should be filled with chokhmah mefo'edet, with glorious wisdom as well. I am uh, appreciative to be here tonight as a spokesman for Hazak as well. I know the good work that Hazak is doing uh, from close. I've been following them for many years, from the beginning. I know their founders, I believe they're the Shem Shamayim. And the proof is in the pudding. I mean, 1,200 kids they were able to save, it's a lot short from public school to bring them into yeshivas. If they saved one, it would be considered a, a great organization. The fact that they were able to duplicate that 1,200 times and they don't stop, uh, that's uh, remarkable. It's mamash hatzalat nefashot. Every one of these children that are gonna get saved, you're saving them and their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren, so you were right when you said 12,000. If you do the math, everyone is a family, so it's probably like 12,000. So that was a Freudian slip, but I think it's emit. Well, they have these series as a uh, elevating your Elul, but I'm sure you're well aware that Elul is practically over. Uh, so, if you elevated yourself, good luck. If you didn't, it's always next year. Uh, now already we have to move on to the next order of uh, the calendar, and that's Rosh Hashanah. Now we have to start elevating our Tishri. And uh, we're at the cusp of Rosh Hashanah this Sunday night. So therefore we must start to talk about that great day. 
זה גמרן ברכות אצס, לעולם ישתדל אדם לקראת מלכי ישראל. That a person should make a hishtadlut, hishtadlut means an effort, to go out of your way to see Jewish kings. We don't have too many of them today, but if there's a Jewish king that emerges, it's time well spent to go witness the ceremonies that are involved in the kingdom. And the Gemara says, Velo malchut Yisrael bilvad, ela afilu malchut umot ha'olam. Even if it's a non-Jewish king, you should go. And look at the events, whether it's the inauguration or the coronation or the parades. You could learn a lot, the Gemara says. She'im yizkeh, if you'll have the zikhut, which I believe we will have the zikhut to see the Melech HaMashiach, so then you'll know, you'll know the difference. You'll become a connoisseur to discern between this Melech and that Melech. Because when Mashiach comes, it's going to be something we never saw before. But if you don't have anything to compare it to, you won't appreciate it. So the Gemara says, whenever they are involved in coronating non-Jewish kings, involve yourself in it. Well, I think it's current events. I'm sure, I know you people are sheltered here in Cedarhurst, but I'll corrupt you a little. Uh, I know you don't follow the news. You probably, you said you're learning a night seder all night. So, a few weeks ago, the Queen of England passed, and there was a succession ceremony where the kingship was given to her son, King Charles III. Now, you ask me, what is a rabbi studying this for, knows this? Because the Gemara says, Yishtadeh, so I made a Yishtadut, to see some videos, to study it, to look at the ceremonies, the formalities. The Gemara is saying it's time well spent, because you can learn a lot from it. And we are involved in something greater. We're involved also in a ceremony where we're about to coronate the king of king of kings. God, who's called Melech Malchem, Melechim HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who we are announcing his sovereign rulership, not only of the UK and its territories, but we're announcing the sovereign rule of God over the entire universe. Melech HaLa'aretz Kevodor. And we are the cold stream soldiers that are given the job in order to announce and pronounce his kingdom. Malkuto shel olam. So I had a question. The question was, King Charles III, they'll inaugurate him once. It's a one-time ceremony. They don't do it every year. So then why is it when we inaugurate HaKadosh Baruch Hu as the Melech, which we do on Rosh Hashanah, which is the main theme of Rosh Hashanah, it's all Malchuyot. Why do we have to do it annually? I mean, we did it last year. We did it the year before. We're probably going to have to do it next year. And my question was, why are we doing the same ceremony every year? We should do it once. Maybe the boys should do it at their bar mitzvah to pledge allegiance to the kingdom of God, the girls at their bat mitzvah. But why is it that the nation has to come collectively, call Ish Israel, call Bat Israel, and they come in unison on Rosh Hashanah and they reestablish the kingdom? The question is why? 
Why is our ceremony an annual ceremony and not a once in a lifetime like they do overseas? I think the answer can be found in Tanakh, where we coronated the first Jewish king. The first Jewish king, of course, is Shaul, Charles I. And Shaul's ceremony was very, very, uh, very proper. Shemuel Navi was running the ceremony. And he tells the people, Rabotai, look at this man. Have you seen a man like this? This is the chosen one from God. And he stood amongst the people. And the Pasuk says, He was head and shoulders above the people. It was obvious that Shaul had the features and the qualities of a king. And when the people saw Shaul, they said in a resounding, unanimous voice, Yehi HaMelech, long live the king. Now they didn't say hip hip hooray, they didn't take off their hats and all that stuff, but they said Yehi HaMelech. Few pesukim later, the Nabi tells us that Shemuel makes an announcement, Rabotai, we have an emergency meeting in Gilgal. Gilgal is where the Mishkan was. What are we doing in Gilgal? We need to rejuvenate and restore the kingdom. And I'm asking a question. What do you mean? You just nominated him. Everybody said, What are you going to Gilgal? You don't need to restore or to re-coronate the king. He was coronated already. So I said to myself, if we could figure out why Shaul needed to be coronated a second time, we could probably figure out why HaKadosh Baruch Hu needs to be coronated on an annual basis. So I figured it out. If you look at the Pesukim, shortly after Shaul receives the kingship, the Pesuk tells us about Bene Belial are rebels. The word Belial is Rashid Tevot, it stands for Belial. They don't want to have the yoke of anybody telling them what to do. And these Bene Belial came in front of Shaul and they said, What can this guy do for us? And they started to protest and they started to riot. And Probably a bunch of Democrats. But the point is, the point, I have no opinions on politics. But the point is, the point is, they started to berate. It says, They started to degrade him and humiliate Shaul. Shaul was a humble man. His reaction was, He kept quiet. The explanation is, once already, there was a rebellion against Shaul. Once there was a Merida, Shemuel says, do over. It undid the first ceremony because people are now questioning it. Now already it's contested. Now already those are people coming and they are Mored b'malchut. And when there's a Merida b'malchut, when there's a rebellion or tyranny, now we're ready. Let's go to Gilgal. 
we get to Gilgal, we have to Hadesh the Menucha. Kahal Kadosh, no disrespect. But all of us recite the Vidui every day during the Sidichot. It follows the Aleph Bet sequence. And when we get to the letter Mem, we come along and we say, Maradnu. We are rebels. And I believe that because from Tapshin Pebet to Tapshin Pegimal Shiavo Alenu Letoba, somewhere in between, we are admitting that we were Mored. We are the Anshe Beliyal. And we're coming along at some point and saying, And therefore we cannot rely on last year's ceremony. Hypothetically, if there was no Merida, then maybe Rosh Hashanah would serve a different purpose. But it seems that in the course of a year, invariably, there's going to be a Merida of some sort. And if we have to come on Rosh Hashanah, take two. Take 5,782, and we have to repeat the ceremony over and over again. We say the Sidiqot every morning. Sfaradim for sure. Ladonai Eloheinu Arachamim Vasidiqot. And the congregation says, Kimarad Nubo, we have rebelled. And then right after that, what do we say? Adonai Melech, Adonai Malach, Adonai Yimnoch Leonabayim. That is the reaction of Kimarad Nubo. Once there's a Merida, Nechadeshet HaMedukha. We have to come back and reestablish the Malchut HaVashem. But I have a question. Looking at this Kahal Kadosh, men and women, Tzadikim B'Tzadkaniyot, Shiladot, the Shekhinah is on all your faces. It doesn't look like we have any rebels amongst us. I mean, the rebels didn't come to the class tonight. <laughs> Those are the Mordi. Not the guy that gets up at 5 o'clock in the morning and comes to City Hall and bangs his chest and says, Maradnu. That's not the villain. The villain is the ones that are delinquent, the ones that are, that are out, that are indifferent. I mean, what kind of Mordim are we? All of us believe in God. All of us are religious. None of us, God forbid, are defecting to a different religion or have bad hashkafot. Uh, so what, what, what's the Merida over here? Yes, we might have sins, okay. But that's Khatamu. But the Vidui is calling us guilty of treason. Where's the Merida? Well, I have an answer for that as well. I don't know if some of you men are doing the Dafa Yomi. We're in Kituvot. Last week we did Kituvot, page 63. So the Mishnah over there is talking about a man that's married to a lady. Which I guess today you can't take that for granted. But the Mishnah says... The Mishnah says that the lady that we're talking about is a Moredet. Oh, Moredet. She's a rebel. So the Mishnah wants to know what makes her a Moredet? Oh, 
how does that manifest itself? Now, being a moredet, she, uh, the husband is able to release her and send her out, and he doesn't even have to pay a ketubah. So the Mishnah wants to know, but what makes a lady a moredet? So the Mishnah says a very, very interesting phenomenon. It's a lady that says, Ba'ina. Maze Ba'ina. Ba'ina means, I want to stay married. Interesting. Doesn't sound like such a rebel. She's not saying, I want out, I want to kill, I want to... No, I want, I want to stay, I don't want to get, I'm happy, I want to stay. Ba'ina. But what? But I want to torture my husband. That's why I want to stay. Because if I stay, I can make his life miserable. If I leave, who's going to give him Gehinam in this world? But if I stay, it gives me an opportunity to agonize him 24 hours a day. That's a moredit. It's interesting. It's not the lady that says, I want out. Okay, good luck. Here's the gate. Shalom alayich. No, she's saying, Ba'ina, I want in. I want in. But I want to I wanna make life difficult for this man. Ba'ina, So I said to myself, that might be the similar Mordim that we are. Let me explain. All of us, Baruch Hashem, say very clear, we want to be part of Orthodox Judaism. Not only Orthodox Judaism, the right uh, line of Orthodox, authentic Orthodox Judaism. We want to pray in the right shoes. We want our kids to go to the right yeshivot. We want to have the right Jewish homes, the right framework. None of us, God forbid, are saying we want out. The contrary, we all have chosen a lifestyle that's consistent with Ba'ina. We want in. So we all subscribe to a certain brand of authentic, religious, proper Judaism. But now that we're in, we're praying the synagogue, but we say, I want to be part of the synagogue, but I want to talk during the Hazara. And I want to be part of the group, but I talk during the Sefer Torah. And I want to be part of the group, but I don't want to be Koveyai team. Don't ask me to come learn. So therefore, we're insiders. This is a Merida, not from the people that are on the out. Always a rebellion is from those that are within. Those that are within can cause much more damage than those are without. You always have to worry about the internal rebel as opposed to the external. And that's us. Ba'ina, we're in. But then we like to make up our own rules. And we feel that because we're in, so therefore we have uh, flexibility to, you know, because we're doing all, we're in the right sviba, we're in the right environment. We signed up to the right groups. So that allows us to have a little more flexibility to, you know, to cheat on the rules a little. We don't have to be totally committed to every law in Shohan Aruch. Because after all, we checked all the right boxes where we are. I don't pray, God forbid, with the conservative. I don't pray with the reform. I don't pray with the bums. I pray with the good people. 
My kids go to the right yeshivot. Therefore, okay, I don't have to follow everything. So God says, hey, you're a ba'ina, but still you want to be mitzahir me as a ba'ina? That's what happened. And for that, for that you need to come back. And you must come on Rosh Hashanah and say, pardon me. I was living in the kingdom and in the kingdom itself I was causing tsar to the Shekhinah because of my delinquency. And I used my attendance and I used my affiliation as an excuse to get away with things that I should not. Therefore, we need to go back to Gilgal, But we have a bigger problem. The bigger problem is like this. I want to talk about another, another type of king. The king of the jungle. King of the jungle is the lion. This is not from the secular books. The Gemara says, Now I understand because to be the king, to be the king, there has to be a certain connection between the king and the subject. So therefore in the animal kingdom, the lion is an animal. He's the king over animals. Now, the difference is the king has a little more uh, pronounced features. The lion is stronger, he's more ferocious, he's more, you know, uh, 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 strong, let's say. But he's part of the genre of animals. The melech and the am have to have a similarity between them. There has to be a commonality between melech and am. Melech Shebe'ofot, the king of the birds, is the eagle. The eagle's a bird. And, and the, the one that he is the king over are also birds. So they are similar. Now, imagine we would say, the lion is the king of the birds. No, that doesn't work. Even though they're all part of the animal kingdom, but it's min she'eno And certainly we would not be able to say that the shepherd that's Shepherding sheep, he's the king of the sheep. What's the connection between you and the sheep? You're the shepherd, but you're not the king of them. I think the point is very clear. You need a melech and you need an am. But there must be commonality between the subjects of the king and the king. Well, if that's the case, we have a problem. Because God is the king. And we are not remotely similar to this king. We are coming to Rosh Hashanah with a body, goof. And it says about God, endo goof, the endo demuta goof. We say referring to God, the endo melach, that nobody like you. So therefore, if we are the ones that were chosen to pronounce the kingdom, when God looks down from heaven and says, who are these people? In Keshev, there's no 
similarity, there's no semblance between the Melech and the Am. The Aryeh is similar to the Hayah. The Shor, who is the king of the Behemoth, the similarity. The Nesher, which is the eagle, is similar to the birds. But from where do we come off? So to this, I misled you. Because I made it as if that all we are is body. But it's not so. There's another part of us. And that is the neshama. And I shouldn't even say it that way. There's another part of us. That is us. Primarily, we are soul. That is the part of us that is what's called in Kabbalah, Helek Elokabi Ma'al. That's a piece of God Himself. So there is a piece of God in all of us. And if you learn geometry, they told you that parts of the whole are equal to the whole. And therefore, if we have a piece of God in us, that means that small piece called the Shema is equal to the whole. The Am, which is us, is Helek Hashem. It's a piece of God. We have a piece of the divine in us. And therefore, when Zora Kadosh writes that if somebody blows into a balloon, there's a piece of himself in the balloon, the air is in the balloon. And the Zohar Kadosh says that when God blew the soul into Adam Arishon, man de nafah, midile nafah. The one that blows air blows of himself. That's a piece of God. Therefore, it comes out of tremendous chedush. Which part of us is pronouncing the kingdom of God on Rosh Hashanah? Not the body. The neshama, as we say, Veyomar kol asher neshama be'apo Adonai Elohim Yisrael malachu malchuto ba'kol mashala. Veyomar kol asher neshama be'apo. Those that have neshama can come along and say, "Yes, I'm similar to the King. God is divine, and I have a piece of that God in me." But hasbe shalom, those that are. Focused on physical, they cannot pronounce God because God says, we're not similar. I am not the king over physical bodies. I am not the king over dirt and afar and materialism. I am only the king on those that understand that their priority and their focus must be soul, neshama. They're focused on divineness. They're focused on Religion, they focus on mitzvot. That's their priority. So they have a body. It's no different than a sifra Torah that has a case. It's okay to have a case of the sifra Torah. The case has value only because of the contents that are within. The physical body has value only because it houses the neshama. That's why we treat the body good. We have to pay rent. Without the body, we don't have a neshama. It, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a good house. Which explains to me why on Shabbat, 
We're extra nice to the body. We sleep extra. We wear nice clothes. We eat good foods. Why? I thought Shabbat, the Zohar says, is the day of the Neshama because we get two Neshamot. That's right. So the body has to, to get more rent. <laughs> now it's double occupancy. Double occupancy, you got to pay extra. Therefore, the body gets extra on Shabbat. Not because we're trying to spoil the body. By spoiling the body on Shabbat, it's a recognition that now there's two neshamot, neshamah yeterah, an extra part of soul. So all of our focus is on on neshama, and therefore, when we come to Rosh Hashanah, it is the neshama inside of us that is proclaiming. But only those, and by the way, this is not Musa, because I do believe those present, you, won't, you don't come to a class unless you have focus on neshama. So I think the most appropriate ones, at least in this town, for this area of the world, to pronounce God's kingdom are those present. We could come up two days before Hashem, we would shoot at 9 o'clock at night learning Torah. Why? Because we understand what the purpose is. Well, ah, you're similar to me. Yes, I, it, it resonates, the connection. So the question that I have then is, why do we do this on Rosh Hashanah? But? I mean, he tell me that has to be a ceremony. Uh, no problem. We should pick a Sunday when everybody has off. We'll make an announcement. Everybody come to the Bet Knesset. We'll take out the flag. We'll pledge allegiance to the kingdom of God. And that's it. We did it. We'll be your tzeh. Why, why did they make this ceremony on Rosh Hashanah specifically? Well, I guess because Rabbeinu Bachia writes in his commentary that there's a rule. En melech am. You know what that rule says? A king cannot be a king unless he has subjects. If somebody comes along and says, I pronounce myself the king. Over what? Well, stay tuned. Nobody here yet, but once the first customer comes, that will. En melech am. So therefore, according to Rabbeinu Bachia, when did God's kingdom become established? When he got the Am. When was that? Rosh Hashanah, when Adam Rishon was created. Now that Adam is created, now Boreolam is a man. It was a small Am, it's only one man. That's enough. According to the Arizal, it's not one man, by the way. Adam Rishon was a composite of 600,000 Nishamot. So when Adam Rishon proclaimed the kingdom of God on Rosh Hashanah, we were there doing it with him. It was the proclamation of the entire nation. So therefore, the first coronation ceremony took place on Rosh Hashanah by Adam Rishon and us. And between me and you, it should have been the last ceremony. But it was followed by Merida, 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 Merida. And therefore we come back every day on the same anniversary of the first ceremony and we come along and say, let's do it again. The Hadeshat HaMenucha. Then the question is, where is the Shofar for them? Shofar is, is the highlight of the holiday. It has to be because it's the only mitzvah de oraita that we have. 
Rosh Hashanah doesn't have too many mitzvot. Dipping the apple in honey is not a mitzvah de oraita. But blowing the shofar and hearing it is. If you have time before the holiday, take a peek at the Sa'ad Gaon. He gives 10 reasons why we blow the shofar. Although my favorite reason is what the Gemara says. The Gemara says, why do we blow the shofar? And the Gemara says, because God said to blow the shofar. I love those answers. So that's the real reason, by the way. You know, you can thumb this way and thumb that way, but at the end of the day, put your thumbs down. The reason why you're blowing the shofar is, no, no reasons. When I was young, my mother would say, go to your room. And I would say, why? She said, because I said so. No reason. She said, she doesn't explain to me why I have to go to my room. I'm a, I'm a punk. I'm a kid. The mother says, go to your room. Because I said, so I'm the mother. You don't deserve an explanation. But the other says, I told you to blow the shofar. Why? Because I said so. Keep quiet and blow the shofar. Okay, so that's the ultimate reason. It's, it's Harambam writes. The reason why we blow the shofar, Gezerat Melech. The decree of the king. However, once we accept that, then we can start trying to sweeten it a little. So now Sayyas has different reasons. You know what one of his reasons is? He says, go back to England. When you coronate kings, there's always a horn somewhere. They take out their bugles, they take out their trumpets, they put on their skirts, not, not my taste. They bring out their bagpipes. For one week straight, they're blowing horns. They're just blowing all sorts of horns. So therefore, uh, we're coronating a king. Uh, there's horns. So we take a uh, religious instrument. It's not the most melodious instrument. You won't see it in the uh, New York Philharmonic. It's called the shofar. It doesn't have such a pleasant sound, to be honest with you. But this is the bugle that uh, uh, heralds the kingdom of God. Do, 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 do. Hear ye, hear ye, we are now announcing. God, the sovereign ruler of the world. So he said it's part of the ceremony of Malchuyot. Take a shofar and, and blow. And I ask a simple question. Take a banjo. I mean, take a violin. Take a drums. Why they say take a shofar? Raisa Kutna in his Pahad Yitzhak, he says something unbelievable. He says, because and this I saw as well from Rabbi Yonatan Ibishitz and his Dirashot Yarot Tevash Dirash Aleph. He says, if you look at the shofar, the shofar looks like something. It's an image of something. When you look at the shofar, it's supposed to remind you of something. There's a similarity in the shofar to something. To what? A shofar? No, no, no. Besides the shofar. Says Rabbi Yonatan Ibishitz, it's supposed to give you the image of a nose. Sometimes you have big shofar, small shofar, different sized noses. You have a shofar, you have a nose like a shofar. 
He says, that's the imagery that they want you to have. When you're taking the shofar, it's like a, it's like a nose. And we've heard people who blow their nose, but we never heard blowing into a nose. But he says, that's what we're doing. We're blowing into the nose. Because that's what happened on this day 5,782 years ago. When Adam was born, God blew into his nose. And what did he blow? And therefore, he says, we're recreating that moment where the soul was blown into Adam. And the reason why we're recreating it, because we're saying, that's the priority. That's who we are. And the, the, the sound of shofar comes from inside the person, from the neshima, which is an expression of the neshama. So the neshama is talking through the shofar. And the neshama is proclaiming, do, 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 do. I proclaim God the king. It's not coming from the teeth. It's not coming from the palate. It bypasses all the physical parts and comes from the inside, which is expression of neshama. A violin would not have that. Or a drum. A shofar has to be a wind instrument that emanates from a deep place inside where it strokes the soul of man. So everything is good. Now we know why we need to do it every year. Now we know why on Rosh Hashanah. And now we know why with a shofar we're starting to understand the whole ceremony. This is a ceremony. Now we get to the main question that everybody asks. I get this question in Brooklyn all the time before the high holidays. Rabbi, is it true that on Rosh Hashanah we are judged for the Parnassah of the coming year? It's on everybody's mind. Understandably, I have nothing against Parnassah. I say yes, it's the Gemara Betzah. The Gemara says from one Rosh Hashanah to the next, the fiscal year for the Jewish people is not February to February. It's, it's Tishri to Tishri. And they're going to write down exactly how much money to the penny we're going to make in the coming year. So it's a big day. Especially now with the rising prices of inflation. Food is tripled in price on a lot of the products. As you know, the ladies know better than us what they're paying now for food. So you need money. We need more money. Just to live. Basics. So they ask me in Brooklyn, they say, but Rav, the main part of Rosh Hashanah is the Amidah. Musaf, let's say, or Shahrid. But primarily Musaf. And there's no mention in the entire Amidah of the word Parnassah. How come we don't mention it? There's an honorable mention. It's uh, in one line. And the Hazan, when he gives all the different gates, they go berserk. Because they want Panasah and they're struggling to find any any remez in the mazor. And once they hear the word, there it is, we got it. Boom, they jump, they pounce on it. 
But why isn't it front and center? I mean, there should be some major prayer in the Amidah. No, Malchuyot, 10 Pesukim. I'll give you one Pesuk for Banazar. 10 on Zichronot, 10 on Shofarot, 0 on Banazar. They want to know why. And I have the answer. I think it's a simple answer. Go back to England. You saw the pageantry that went on this last week. You saw how many different type of soldiers. Everybody has a different uniform. Everybody has a funnier hat than the next. Everybody has all sorts of medallions. and Everybody's dressed in a different costume. All sorts of orchestras and bands. All sorts of security. Most expensive cars. Fleets of them. Horses for a week straight. And you got to ask yourself a question who's paying for all this? I mean, some, these people got to get paid. They're not doing this to the Shem Shabbayim. I mean, who pays? Who gets the bill? And the answer is very simple the king. And everybody knows it. They're doing all this for the king. At the end of the week, they give him the bill. And they know the king's going to pay for it. That's how it works. The malchut pays for the, uh, for, for the procession. So I think it's very simple that when we come along and say, God, we are your subjects. We're pronouncing your malchut in the world. We say, melech, melech, melech. We're going to take the shofar. Our ceremony is much more important than what's going on overseas. Our ceremony is proclaiming the king of the king of kings. And therefore, what Allah says, don't worry. I'll take care of you. There's nothing to talk. You don't have to even say it. Imagine somebody in the middle of the ceremony as Charles is coming back. Hey, what are we going to get paid? <laughs> what do you have? You have a sefik? I'm not going to pay you? So imagine the middle of Rosh Hashanah. Melech, Melech, Melech. Hey, where's the money? talking money. What do you have to ruin the ceremony talking about money for? Don't even say it. It's obvious I'm going to pay you. The king pays. You show me your loyalty. You show me that you have allegiance. You show me that you're the Shema is committed. It goes without saying the king, God, is richer than anybody. So you really don't have to spoil the day and turn it into money. Keep it, uh, keep it above, keep it high, keep it malchut. There was a rabbi called the Admor Migur. The Admor Migur, one time two Hasidim came to him and they said, the Rabbi, we're struggling in Parnassah. He said, good, I have a good sigula for you. When the Shodesh comes and you say Halel, and you say Anna Hashem, have Kabbalah, and you'll see, you'll have a great month. I said, oh, oh, this is it, this is it. Admon Migur said, you can take it to the bank. A few days later was Rosh, was Rosh Chodesh. Now they get to the Halel, they look at each other. Wait, we forgot to ask the Rebbe, there's two Anna Hashems. There's Anna Hashem or Anna. Which one? They said, you know what? We'll do both. Can't hurt. So they went in the Hale, and everybody's reading it quickly, and they start making bring us Yeshuot. bring us They looked at each other after they said, This is gonna be some month over here. <laughs> and to this to their dismay and their shock. It was the worst month in Panasa they ever had. They went back to the Rebbe. 
I said, Rebbe, we know the Rebbe is right, we know the Rebbe is Ruach everything, but the advice didn't work. He said, did you have Kabbalah and Hashem? I said, dear Rebbe, not only Anna Hashem was Shi'ana, but also Anna Hashem was Shi'ana. He said, well, that's the wrong one. That's the wrong one? Is there another Anna Hashem? Yes. Anna Adonai ki ani avdecha. Dear God, I am your servant. That's the one I was talking about. Because once you commit to become part of the army and the allegiance of God, Borela picks up the bills. Problem is you're focusing directly on the money. That's too, too explicit. God says, just join the ranks and stop being a Bored. And then Borelap says, the rest I'll take care of. I know exactly what you need. You don't have to ask. I know what you need more than you know what you need. Sounds very lofty the way we're talking here now, on a very high level. But I, I, I have to be honest, especially two days before Rosh Hashanah, Rabbi Sayyid Salanta disagrees on everything I just said. You see, he has a different opinion. And it's probably the halakha, what he says. And his opinion is that, yeah, it's true. Rosh Hashanah should be mainly focused on God and the Balchut and the kingdom and really not too much about the Parnassah. But he says, Rabbi Sayyid Salanta, when was that? That was Bismandahim. That was in the past when people really were concerned about God more than their pocket. There was generations where people, it bothered them, Galuta Shekhinah. It bothered them, exile. It bothered them, the pain that the Shekhinah has. When they went to Kibret Sadiqim, you know what they said by Kibret Sadiqim? Please God, release the Shekhinah out of its exile. These people would make Tikkun Hatzot every night. But Nasat to them wasn't even a concern. They were more worried about the Shekhinah's plight. Today, when people go to Kibbutz Sadiqim, Oshir, Mechavot, Parnassah. What about the Shekhinah? I went to the Shekhinah. Shekhinah can't pay my bills. Oshir, Mechavot, Tikkun Hatzot. Tikkun Hatzot. They must make Tikkun Parnassah. They don't Tikkun Hatzot. Today, yeah, Malchut. We read about it, but we're more concerned. When we go to a Rav for a Beracha, please, Rav. We don't say, please, Rav, the Shekhinah is Galut. Give us Beracha. Give us Banasal. We need to pay our mortgage. We need to pay tuition. We need money. That's our concern. So he says, today, it would be hypocritical that all year long we're praying for Parnassah and on the day that you're being judged, you make no mention of it. But all of a sudden you became one of the Lamed Bab Sadiqim. It's hypocritical. He says, for those that are preoccupied with Parnassah all year long, not to mention it on the day that you're being judged, indicates you don't believe that you're being judged. So he says, not to mention it, Hasmah Shalom shows you don't believe in the day. So therefore, whereas in the olden days you were able to go in an indirect way, talk about the Malchut, and, uh, no 
why the king will pick up the bill. Today, when we say Salanta says, you have to go direct. Where are you going to go direct? So we have different moments. Arizal established the Petichah de Parnassah. Where in each Tefillah we open the Hechal, we read the David, special Mizmor, we make a Yiratzon, we have Kavanot. That's, that's a moment. In the end of the Amidah, before you say Oseh Shalom, you can make a private prayer in your own language. And don't think that that's sacrilegious anymore. You shouldn't feel guilty when I'm not praying for, for money. You pray all year long. Why are you stopping today? By praying on Rosh Hashanah for Parnassah, that indicates that you believe today is the day that it's happening. So therefore, we say something says, Adraba. But I will tell you what Rav Levi Yitzhak Mebedichev said. He said, If you take all the tefillot of Klai Yisrael and you squeeze the tefillot and you're going to get the common denominator that's going to come out, the juice that's going to come out of the difficult of Kai said, you'll only find one thing money. <laughs> Bottom line. It's like the story of Ramea Shapira when he came. He came to collect money from Yeshiva Achimel Lublin. He stood in front of a congregation and he gave a shiur. Eh, a shiur he gave this way and that way, pool upside down. After he finished the shiur, he turned to the congregation and said, anybody understand what I said? The seven-year-old boy said, I understood exactly what you said. He said, what did I say? He says, you need money. <laughs> and Rabbi Shapiro said, he's the only one that understood me. <laughs> Rabbi Levi, it's like Rabbi Nijim said, nah, they need money. But then he said something beautiful. He said, but if you take the prayers for money and you squeeze that, you know what you're going to see? They need money for Shemirat Shabbat. They need money to pay for yeshiva tuition. They need money for matzot. They need money for kosher food. They need money to serve you. The money is not for the kids. The money is so they can return it back to you. Therefore, Borei Olam, give them what they need so they can give it back. We don't ask for ourselves like the Ben Yishchai said, Kotvenu besipr chayim nema'anach. Give us life so we can live it for your purpose. And that's the way you have to ask. Yes, we need a lot. It's, it costs money to be religious, to Jewish. Well, I can't, I can't be a guy, go to McDonald's for a buck fifty and get uh, four se'udot, but I'm a as well. <laughs> we, can't, we don't live like that. We don't have the luxury to go down and, and, and live with this, these type of ways. Cost money. Kosher food, just to make a Shabbat. They go eat once a year, they make a Thanksgiving. They make a big thing as if it's a... Uh, they interview the lady. She's having six people to, for Thanksgiving. She, she got a turkey on sale for 12 bucks. She made some potatoes. She's saying, oh, I've been in the kitchen all day. Come to our house. We do it every Shabbat. Every Shabbat we have it. It's bigger than Thanksgiving. We have 100 people now. So not hundreds of dollars. We don't need money for this. Big day Shabbat. We don't have... One suit in the closet over here like the rest of the world and a pair of dungarees and a, and a sweatshirt. We have to have big Shabbat. Ladies have to have the head covering, wigs, because, oh, this is money. Where are we going to get this money from? But Mitzvah, these pair of tefillin, go find a tefillin today, less than $1,500, $2,000. We need money. Oh, we need to pay the rabbis. That's for sure. So you see... 
No, but that was Rabbi Yisrael's point. Squeeze the money, what's going to come out? Mitzvot. And that's probably why, and I'll conclude, first day Haftarah, Hana, we read about Hana. She prayed for a child. She got answered. Shemuel Anabi. And they say the reason why we read it because she conceived on Rosh Hashanah. It's true. But the deeper reason is, is because we're not only reading that she prayed and got answered, but the story of Hannah teaches us how to pray. If you remember when she prayed to God for a child, what did she say? Not give me a child so I can take him shopping. Not give me a child so I can put him in the carriage and show off in front of all my friends in the park. Not give me a child so I can uh, fulfill all my motherly instincts. Give me a child, God, and I promise you I'll return him to you. When he's two years old, after he finishes nursing, I'll bring him to the yeshiva and he will be yours forever. If you give me a child, it'll be to the service to promote the glory of your kingdom. That's what she did. Borei says, so now, Hanaz Tefillah, it's to my benefit to answer. Because I get another, I get another soldier. And that's the way Hanaz teaches us to pray. Yes, you can pray for Parnasa. You can pray for physical things. But Borei we need the physical items. We need a house. How can I fulfill the Mitzvah Mezuzah without a house? There's Mezuzah. How can I fulfill Hachnasat Orchi? Hospitality, but I don't have a house. And I cannot put like myself if I cannot afford the food to put on the table. And I need to send my kids to Yeshiva, that's not an option. And modest clothing costs money. And Big Day Shabbat costs money. And Tzedakah, we have obligations to give. That costs money as well. We have to be willing to give up the 10%. But we need money for this. And therefore we pray like Hannah prayed. Yes, we need money, but squeeze the money and you'll see what's coming out of it. Raining mitzvot. And this is my blessing to the congregation. Yes, unfortunately over the last year, we were from those that said, and they, we want to stay connected, but you know, not 100%. We want to cut some corners. As a result of that, we must come to Rosh Hashanah and say, and we do it on the day that the kingdom was established by Adam and Ishan on the first day. And we do it with a shofar, which reminds us of the blowing of the neshama, because kingdom must be similar. The melech and the am must have a similarity. And therefore, and we cannot rely only that our pronouncement of kingdom will automatically bring us Parnassah. Although it's true, but we must express it to show that we believe in it. Like Rabbi Salanta said, and therefore we must express it through the Pitihah, the Parnassah, to make a clear prayer. And in our own words at the end of Amidah, to pray it clearly. So to show that you believe that today is the day but to add one caveat. And the caveat at the end must be that it's for your sake. Gebara said, when you see them coronating kings, go out of your way. Because when Mashiach comes, the king of kings, 
you'll be able to discern. In our lives, all present, we never saw a coronation ceremony before. The last one was 70 years ago. Most of us weren't around for that one. If we were, we were too, too young to appreciate what happened. Why all of a sudden now a rare event that happens once every, now the whole world is seeing Malchut. It tells me that Boreolam is preparing for the real Malchut. This is a preparation. Whenever you see the world talking about kings, and just look what's going on in the world today. We see the world degenerating by the day. Today, if somebody predicts Mashiach, you don't call him a prophet. You call him practical. A hundred years ago, if somebody said Mashiach, I said, ah, what does he know? Navi Shekir. Today, you don't have to be a Navi anymore. The writing is on the wall. But now that you start to see Malchut, what the Allah is saying, take a good look what's going on overseas. Because when I present my king, at that point over there, the Mashiach is going to be the king and he's going to proclaim God's kingdom. And like it says in the Tefillah of Rosh Hashanah, at that moment, Yitakab Shofar Gadol, they're going to blow the great Shofar. And then it says in the Pasuk, at that moment, the entire nation will bow in front of you. And at that point, not only is God going to be the king over the Jews, but the kingdom of God is going to be over the entire world. Shana Tuvam Burechet.